1: Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about
0: what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something
1: meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba.
0: Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free
1: audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 128. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Hi, everybody. This episode is all about being <laughs> five years into business on the internet. Did you get a Facebook notification about that or something? I did. I got a Facebook yeah. notification that it a was photo? pictures, photographs of the conference we attended where we met each other. And I just, I thought that was such a an important milestone in my life mm. and turning point in my life that I figured, you know, this is worth having a conversation about. Sort of what's happened in the last five years and what I've learned and what you've learned and what we've learned together and where we're going moving forward. And five years feels like a long time. Like it's a really big deal.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because it was June that we were in Colorado Springs. So it's exactly five years ago that we met. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I love it. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So we have a bunch of questions. We're basically going to interview each other in this episode, but we have a few points that we just want to bring up as well. Just kind of talking through some of the major Lessons we've learned in five years of online entrepreneurship. And just to be clear, Sandy and I have not been business partners for five years. That's more th- like three and a half years. So we're yeah. still pretty new, three and a half years in at this. But, you know, we started in the software space and Namastream started in its earlier version five years ago, which is just incredible. I mean, I've never before had done anything for five years <laughs> other than sort of being activist my entire life. So, but never like worked in one place or really focused on one thing. And because for me, the birth of all of this coincided with my daughter, you know, raising her, it, it feels very intertwined. <laughs> it feels very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. So it's remarkable. Hmm. That's interesting because I think
0: I'm the opposite. I had one career for almost 20 years. Yeah. And so- I needed to get out of that and do something different. So yeah, but this so this still feels like a little baby career, like as far as length goes, yeah. it's just starting.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. It definitely feels like both. I can't remember a time when this didn't exist, and also mm-hmm. I feel like I remember the moments when I was making the decision to start this company, and so it's still. Oh, it's mm-hmm. but it's beautiful, and it's something. I have no regrets about doing, and so I feel pretty excited about that. So the other thing that I just want to point out in this episode is that most businesses never make it to five years, right? And most people never make it as entrepreneurs five years, and most businesses fail in their first year. And part of what we're trying to teach with our body of work is that entrepreneurship really is the long game. It really is about committing because the first year or two or three are rough, for just about everyone. And so the, you know, the riches are made and the lessons are the real value of a business comes in those, those years after the first few years. And I, I think It's really easy when you're in the beginning to feel like something's wrong or it's not right, or your intuition is telling you to get out of it, or why would I be having so many failures if I were meant to do this, or if I were qualified or skilled, or if this was going to work for me? And the one, you know, one of the lessons that I just want to emphasize over and over is that that is everyone's story. And it does get easier. And I can finally say, you know, five years in that it doesn't feel like that anymore. I mean, it has its own challenges, but it feels like there's a lot more grace. Like it's just there's more ease and more grace and more forgiveness and nothing is as big of a deal. And I think that maybe it's just because of the confidence that comes from seeing a certain amount of success. But hey, I'll take it.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the first couple of years or certainly the first year is just sheer grit and determination Mm -hmm. and just an eye on the prize, like you've got this goal and you want this thing so badly and you just take the knocks and keep getting back up. And it's not easy for anyone, but the reward is so great, right? And I think- after those first couple years, there's like a momentum. Yeah, there's confidence, but there's also some momentum with, you know, more clients, more people talking about you, more people knowing that you exist. And you can really start to, you know, ride that wave and start to scale and really see some big jumps in in revenue without having to do as much work as you did in the first year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's more respect too. I mean, it it was just in the last maybe year or two that I'd say 18 months that I feel like the people around me started to take seriously what I was doing. You know, I think it was like this little project or this little experiment that I was doing while I was a stay-at-home mom. And that definitely wasn't what it was. But I feel like people in my personal life sort of looked at it like that. And now I I can't imagine anyone doubting it, right? Because it's... Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, speaks – the body par- of work speaks for itself. <laughs> because it's online, do you
0: think, Jenny? Like that it wasn't seen as a real yeah, lig- uh, legit yeah, exactly. online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, yeah totally I think if that. it was
1: like I was running a boutique, people mm-hmm. would have taken it seriously, which is ridiculous. Tangible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I've explained what we do to so many people in my life, and they're like, what is it again? Like, are there really. There's people that, enough people to make a business of that. That's actually my mom. <laughs> are, there enough yo- are there that many yoga teachers in the world? <laughs> yes, there are. There are many, many, you know? So, yeah, I totally get it. You're always kind of – because there's nothing to see or touch or feel with it. It's like this unknown thing. You sit in front of a screen and what are you doing all day? So,
1: you know, I yeah. still – I also have this experience where if I'm – in a social situation with my husband or at a bank or like dealing with a mortgage company. Like, I don't know. There's just so many situations where people just look to him and try to talk to him about our finances or like our, our you know, how we are able to live on an island. or and, and I've heard him say a couple of times, like, well, my wife runs a software company. You know, and I think Mm -hmm. people like still just like they cannot wrap their heads around Mm -hmm. it. Like it's just so nonsensical to someone to understand that. And I do a lot of other things too. But like this is a big part of why we have the lifestyle we have. And I think people are like, what? Like it's Mm -hmm. just – not real. So I mean, we're here to say it's real. And if you're listening to this show, you know, it's real. And you believe in the internet and you believe (laughs) in business that is not in a store or a physical giant office building. So thank you. But let's go ahead, Sandy, and maybe dive into Mm -hmm. some of our questions because I think we'll get we have not gone over our answers to these questions with each other. And I think we'll get into some really juicy stuff here. And it'll be nice and voyeuristic for folks to get a little (laughs) peek into how we're feeling about things. So I have the first question I want to ask you, Sandy. So what has surprised you most about running this company we run together? I think what surprised me most is how
0: easy our relationship has been and how quickly we fell into a rhythm of communication and getting things done and doing all the things we have to do. My last partnership was pretty good too, but there wasn't the level of friendship in that one. And so it's it's a different mm, it's a different animal, you know, when there's friendship wrapped up with a business partner. So I think that's truthfully kind of shocking to me, like how easy this has been. Like Mm -hmm. just effortless Mm -hmm. and I just know when something's happening in your life and vice versa, like there's just no ability to hide anything. It's really incredible, actually, what we've done together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you?
1: Yeah. Well, it's along the same lines. I What has surprised me the most, I mean, there's lots of things that have surprised me, both good and bad about this experience. But I do think that it, for me, it also does center around our relationship. And to me, the biggest surprise is how informal we've been able to be and running the company as it's grown. I mean, we started out just sort of like, hey, let's try this. Like, oh, what do you <laughs> think about this? Okay. And without a ton of structure or systems. And you know, we both have our own systems and ways of doing things. But I, I also feel like if someone else came and watched us, they would have no idea what was going on. And, and so much of what we do is really intuitive and informal. And I think we just trust each other so much that we don't need... The kind of systems that you need when you grow really, really big or really, really fast. And there's Mm -hmm. just this sense of, I think, we mother this company. You know, I trust you 100% with everything if I can't do it, if I'm not there that day. or And there's just this sense of, yeah, like of trust and ease and informality. And I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I've tried to draw out an
0: organizational chart about three times over the last couple of years. And I I just (laughs) like… forget it it's just so muddled like Jenny does that part but I do most of that and then but I do a lot of that but she sometimes comes in and like it it's just like an HR person would die like it's just there is no sense to it at all so i think just to embrace that and like it's working and you know as our team grows i think we may have to define roles a little bit better but perhaps. I don't think that you and I can do that. I mean, roles for others on our team would have to be defined, I, I believe. but Yeah.
1: Well, and that's worked. I mean, I think that we have done, like we, I think it works when we hire people who have a lot of self-direction and don't need us to define a lot of things for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's what we've also figured out that works because we're like that. We're, we're adults. We treat each other like adults and We give a lot of responsibility, you know, to each other. Like, I don't want to have to baby someone, or, I mean, I know that this has to happen sometimes. That give step by step instructions. I know that it Mm -hmm. has to happen if I can't do something that I usually do. But our best team members are like where it's relatively hands off, and we just we're like, oh, you do great work. Okay, go do it for us, and those people do it, and it's just it's amazing. And I, and I also believe you get what you pay for. <laughs> and that's another, that doesn't surprise me. So maybe like, I'll mm-hmm. just rant about this. Cause I don't know if this is going to fit in anywhere else, but I will also say that that is one of the lessons of five years in. And I mean, I think that's a lesson of life and of living on the earth, but you get what you pay for. And so for me, I, because of who I am and my personality, I would much rather pay top dollar and have a really amazing qualified person do the work than have to micromanage someone who who isn't as competent. And that's just something that took me a long time to realize.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's also an internet culture of
0: hiring really cheap, right? Yeah, like the, and it the- doesn't work for me at all. At no, all, and but I think we got caught up, or that was like, oh, we're supposed to do it this way because everyone else is, and you know, like really cheap VAs, for example. And so we've just said no, and that's part of our digital artisan manifesto. Is like, no, we're going to pay top dollar for the best person, and we're going to give them a, a good living wage.
1: Yeah, no, done. and I I remember my first year in business, and two different people who I totally respect were like, you really need an assistant, and I was like, really. Because I'm not really making any money over here. You know, like year one in running a tech company, you know, and I'm like hoping to break even here year one. And everyone's like, no, you've got to outsource. You've got to like, that's the way to do it. That's the way to grow. You're never going to be able to grow. And I tried two times to hire VAs, virtual assistants, and both times were a total disaster. And it was really hard for me to even think of what to tell them to do. And then I ended up having to redo it. And there's nothing, it's not the people. It's just, I mean... For First of all, we've written about this extensively about like, you you really need to wait to hire an assistant because, and that is counterintuitive to the advice that everyone else I feel like on the internet is giving, but I just, yeah, I can hire somebody for $4 an hour, but what am I like? That just creates more work for me. That's all that it did was it would like, I would have to really think and plot out something for the person to do. And then I would have to communicate it to them. And then I would have to like check their work and answer their questions. And I was like, well, I don't even really need this done. <laughs> I could have done this in like one fifth of the time myself, if I even needed it done. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that doesn't work for me. And it And I thought like, maybe that's just year one or year two or year three. And guess what? Still in year five, I don't like to do that.
0: Yep. And that's not going to change.
1: Never. I don't think it will ever change. Okay, Jenny, second question. (laughs) What are you most proud of? I mean, getting to this point, surviving, (laughs) not giving up the 57 times I wanted to throw in the towel. You know, I think I feel like having reached the point that we've reached, there's no giving up now. Like this is, we're in it for life or as long as we want or till we sell it and it's here, it's ours. And like, I can't imagine the series of events that would have to culminate for me to want to give up. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, this was a question that was posed to us not that long ago is what would it, you know, what would it take? Like, what would make you want to walk away? Or do you feel like that's on the horizon? And I had like a physical negative reaction to that question. Like the idea of walking away or giving up made me so sick, like physically ill, that like every single aspect of who I am said, no way. And so that was, I mean, that's amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yes, it is. I remember that conversation. What about you?
1: What are you most proud of? I think that
0: our bootstrapping it, that moment when we walked away from the accelerator and the funding, the potential funding that was right in front of us, we could have gone that route and we made a very difficult decision to walk away and we didn't really have a plan, you know, like we didn't know how it was all going to work. We knew we were determined. We knew what we wanted. We knew that there had to be a different way to run a tech company without getting funding and we did it and we figured it out. So I th- I think I'm most proud that we are female run and that we are bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. I think that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally
1: agree. You know, there's, there's a big ego hit that goes with it that I think I haven't talked about. And since this is some sort of, you know, like tell all episode, I just want to say that this is something to watch for in business as you're – getting started and as you're growing and as you're scaling is that I think that there are moments where you have to make decisions based on what is right for your company. And it's not necessarily what is right for you and your reputation. And that was the moment when we walked away from that money, I felt like there was 45% of me that didn't want to do that, Sandy, because it was a huge ego blow to do it. And even if we took, you know, A $750,000 investment and failed 18 months later, we would have still been considered a success story by a lot of people in a way that even now we aren't. And that was a hard thing to choose Mm -hmm. the company itself over our own egos.
0: Our own egos and our own salaries. Yeah. Like at that time, we would
1: have
0: have been able to pay ourselves, you know, some really decent money out of that. A long time ago. Yeah. 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 And so, I just, I think it's amazing that we just said, no, this is so wrong on so many levels and we're going to do it a different way. And we didn't have a role model or an example to follow I mean, there's lots of bootstrapped companies out there, but there wasn't anything in the tech space, software space. And so- Nothing
1: that looked like us, nothing mm -mm, that looked like our company in any way, like not even close. Because if one of us had been a star developer, it would have been different. But for us, we couldn't do all of that in-house. And so we had to figure out how to pay the salaries of people who make a lot of money in order to keep our company alive. I mean, it's a different animal. And I, when I think about Bootstrap software companies, almost always one of the co-founders That's right. is the CTO mm-hmm. or is married to a CTO or what, you know, like it's just all- Free like, CTO somewhere. Yeah, there's never, I like there's no one like us, like- it doesn't really exist. I mean, if you are like us or you know someone like us, let us know because we want to become best friends basically and share, you know, stories for the rest of our lives. But we'll be on Boxer together. <laughs> but but like there's nobody else, right? And so and no. then even now, like even in the female founder communities that we're in, I still feel a little bit like we get the stink eye or the side eye. Like we're not serious because we're not raising. And I want to be like, dude, y'all, we could have raised so much money Years ago, like you have no idea how, like, people can't even get meetings with investors. They don't get accepted into the accelerators that we were accepted into. They don't pitch in front of the VC firms that we were invited to pitch in front of. And yet we get the side eye because we're not raising. And there's like, this is this weird, the weird culture of like <laughs> the tech space that we live in and that we work in. But, you know, it, anyway, that to me is, yeah, I think we're both really proud and having made it through it to the other side and now yeah. we are so much better off because we own mm-hmm. our own company yeah we didn't have the to equity. sell it to someone else
0: Mm-hmm. And oh and my God remember we it's would have so had to um, write weekly reports to the investors to tell them what we were doing oh and up to God. and sales and what we need and ask. And I remember that being such a stumbling block that we'd have to like weekly update someone Check like was somebody dear God. Yeah, and I, that was like I, just oh. so disgusting and like a waste of time to us that that was like one of the decisions. <laughs> one of the pieces of the decision. It's just so it's funny.
1: well, and I thought I knew we would have failed. You know, it was just a matter of time. Like maybe we would have gotten past a Series A. You know, our second round. Like, like maybe. But beyond that, like our market wasn't big enough to be a billion dollar company. And so, if you're not big enough to be a billion dollars, it's almost impossible to be successful. I mean, you can still have an exit and sell, but like for what and how much of the company do you even own when you sell it? By that time, it's just such a losing battle. And so, yeah. So we're super proud that we did that. Yeah this podcast is brought to you by the namastream software platform namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses memberships and live stream programs go from idea to open for business in just minutes you can learn more at namastream.com Okay. What scares you about our business going forward either today or in the next five years? What are you most scared of?
0: I think there, there's a couple things. So the first is to grow the way we want to grow. To build, For me, it's building the team that will take to you know, support that kind of revenue. And I just we were talking about this on a podcast with somebody, oh, it's an upcoming podcast that's coming out with Sarah Christensen. And, and I was saying that when I had my brick and mortar store, I could overhear my staff. I could watch them. I could see how they were with customers. I could sort of I know what how they're all doing and what they're doing and when and I can correct if there needs to be a correction. But when you build a team on the internet I feel blind. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're saying. Like, it's just so hard to me. And so that makes me really nervous. I know we're going to have to do it as we scale. And I just really want to go forward with a lot of thought about how those processes and systems are put into place. Because as we've said, we're not very good at doing that. But I got all my little loom videos of all the things that we do. Like, <laughs> we're, we're working on it. We're working on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, my biggest fear is that you leave the company. The, like, oh, really, you have some kind of you know, like spiritual pilgrimage somewhere. And then you like <laughs> come back and for one reason or another, you decide. Come like out. Jenny, like, it's all yours. Out. Here's my shares. <laughs> I'm all done. There you go. <laughs> I think that's my biggest fear. Like oh. if I actually had to think about it. But I am like I don't think it's going to happen. But if I allow myself to think about it, I get like chills and shockwaves Cause I this so company I can use is that to us. my advantage. This is us. <laughs> you could use that too. If you were cruel and mean, you could totally <laughs> use that. Us to your advantage <laughs> but because i don't know what this company is if it's not the two of us you know and right, so yeah. i think that's also probably why
0: what is a more realistic fear
1: Oh, realistic oh you're like don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm so afraid of even saying this i'm afraid why? of saying it say it getting hacked oh like i know enough about the internet <laughs> And that to me is is so scary. And we have taken lots of steps and precautions and assurances, but, you know, that that should be anyone's fear who has an internet presence of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. Like I watched too many trainings <laughs> on cybersecurity that it just terrifies me. Mm-hmm. And as it should everyone, you know, like I read about like hospital data breaches and I just I mean we're we're like so inconsequential compared to so many things but you know there's like Google servers went down a bunch of Google servers went down like a month ago and yep. you know like I wasn't super worried like half the internet was down that day but you know we have aspects of what we do that are hosted on companies that are overlaid on Google servers or Amazon servers and if China wants to attack Google or Amazon, you know, that affects us. Mm -hmm. And just like it affects, again, half the internet. But I don't like I can't stand that kind of vulnerability and lack of control. And so anyway, that's my other deep pit of fear and doom. But you know, if like, it's like, we're all going down together, I guess. Yeah, because those kind of things that would be
0: horrible. But it's not, you know, our fault. You know, we haven't done it. Know, and so still- and it'll be affected. I know, I know. <laughs> but it'll be lots of other people will be affected in, in different companies. And so I think people... So I worry about the people and you worry about the thing, which is so very Jenny and Sandy. That, But I think that our users will understand. Like it will be terrible, crappy, horrible. But... Like we'll work through it, you know, we'll work through it and people will understand that this thing has happened and we'll be, it'll be fine.
1: Sandy, you're just saying that because you have not been told you're on the dark web by your data security person yet. True, but I have been, my email has been hacked and you I have still- have been hacked. But I get, get the alert the that emails. says, we have identified your personal information on the dark web. And I, <laughs> the and I call web. them and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do about it? They're like, well, <laughs> once you're in the dark web, you're in the dark web. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that. and I phoned all my
0: contacts here. I'm like, okay, she's on the dark web. What should we do? And everyone's like, mm, not yeah. much you can do. Yeah, sorry, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, where? I- how do we get on the? dark? I, I don't want to know the dark- anything
1: else about the dark web. I've already I learned go enough. On the dark web, like, anyway, how do you Get there. We're gonna terrify everyone if- and get them afraid of using the internet, Sandy, and then they're not gonna buy our all software. Right. So we should stop while we're ahead. <laughs> okay. Next question. Okay. What has been the Biggest inflection point for you so far in our company, and I guess that's similar to like what was, what are you most proud of? But maybe you have a different inflection point, or more than one. Yeah, definitely.
0: If I look back over these years, Shani, there's definitely like these turning moments, like where in a flash everything changes. And it definitely was the walking away from the the accelerator and the money. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was in this past March. Mm-hmm.
1: But you want to tell the story of the first one because we walked what? away from the money. Like, we waffled about it for four months. We like led our investors <laughs> on for four it months. Wasn't a fast we're like, decision. we don't know. We're just busy. We don't know what's going on. We can't meet with you right now. Like, we'll talk soon. And then you were on holiday somewhere in British oh, Columbia yeah. in a blueberry yeah. field with horses. Yeah. And then you called me. Mm-hmm. And I was, mm-hmm. of course, not on vacation because I don't do that until mm-hmm. now. And I was, I, In my attic, in my Seattle house, I remember. (laughs) And you were calling me from some like beautiful blueberry field. And you're like, I think I know what we're going to do. And then we came Mm -hmm. up with a plan. And that was how we raised Mm -hmm. the first big round of money ourselves.
0: Because we had to hire the developers. Get to to rebuild the platform into V2. To rebuild to V2. So we had to commit. And so once we said yes, and you had to like sign something right then that day. Oh, my God. Of course. That's always how it is. It was (laughs) like, this is it. This is it. Now we need to raise this money. We need to figure out and how we are going to pay these developers to make this happen. So, we just did a internet trick of holding a couple webinars and a way we, we went did and months of planning and we put on four yeah. webinars
1: in one week yeah, and we huge. raised the it money. Was, I intense. mean that's what happened and it was that's intense. The, yeah, that was that's the story that we tell when we speak at conferences and stuff. But it's true and and we've gone on to replicate that you know a dozen times since then. But it, we basically used internet marketing to self fund or crowdsource the funding for our own company instead of having to go out to outside investors and so we retain ownership our clients get to contribute to the funding of the thing they end up using and then we build it to spec for them it's it's actually a beautiful amazing process but it was this moment and I don't we had been having like back and forth waffling conversations for 4 months and then you went away on vacation and of course you had clarity and then we were like this is what we're going to do. And I was like, okay, I trust you. We're going to do it. And then we did it. And we worked mm-hmm. our tail off mm-hmm. to do it, mm-hmm. you know. And I I think that that but that proved to us that we could and that we didn't need, you know, some papa bear or some sort of like mm-hmm. yeah. sugar daddy or some like oh, I can't even and think about the investors. Every time <laughs>
0: since then when we've needed some money for whatever reason, yeah. we're able to do it. Yeah. Like we needed a certain amount of money to rebuild and that's exactly what we raised, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just fascinating to me that when you are faced with that, you can do it. Like when there is a need, then-
1: Yeah, no, it's totally weird law of attraction, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it it was almost like to the exact dollar amount that we needed to deal with this hire yeah. that we had made. And I mean, I think that's the sense, that used to be my biggest fear about running our company, honestly, was that- We're hiring so many people all the time. And I think this is what happens to founders, right? Is that you, like, the fear is that you can't pay someone that you've hired. I mean, I think that's the biggest fear. And that, to me, like, we made the decision on trust that we would be able to figure it out. And we signed a contract for a lot of money that (laughs) neither of us had (laughs) personally to spend. And we figured it out. And I think that that, and we did that over and over. And- until now, we don't need to have that kind of pressure on us. I think yeah. we can just run our company and the abundance comes, but it took a long time and it took that happening over and over and over again for us, I think, to trust like, okay, this is not a fluke. This is actually something we can control to some degree. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other inflection point was just this past March, Jenny, where a whole bunch of little things happened at once. Mm-hmm. And- I feel like we've just come out of that with like a whole new level of confidence and way of being and thinking and something we've just up-leveled our mindset like a hundred X. And so we read Nathan Latka's book. Oh my God. Called we should talk about that. What that, is that? Ca- capitalism Without Capital?
1: I don't even know right? what it's called. So something like that.
0: Capitalism Without Capital or with no capital. How to be a
1: capitalist without capital, I capital.
0: think. Capital. And that book I mean, we know Nathan Nathan Ladka, so we've met him in person and a number of times. And to read his words, I don't know if there was something so powerful about him, his writing, and his like ability to create money and make money. Oh, we've seen him and, do it
1: in real life. You know, and oh, he's like yeah, twenty nine like, yeah. years old, and he's just this brilliant. I mean, we met him around when we met each other. Yeah. Was he at our yeah. our first uh-huh. event where we met? Was he? No, no, no. no, he, no. Was, he was. We he met, met him, him in Mexico. Speaker. We mm-hmm. met him in Cancun at a trip. Yeah. So, I mean, he's like this college dropout turn, you know, like tech founder who's gone on to leverage selling his first company into becoming like uber wealthy and successful. And his book is called How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, The Four Rules You Must Break to Get Rich. And I mean, he's a super cocky, like overly confident young bro. And it's like, if we didn't know him personally, I, there's no way I could have made it him. through that book. But I mm-hmm. I do know him and I also believe him to be a really thoughtful, intelligent, introverted. reflective, introverted person. And I'm like, that's the person I relate to. And so he turns it on publicly, which is yeah, so it's impressive a persona. to me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And he's he's a genius, right? Like, There's no other way to think about it. And I just it helped me to see how much of his success, like that book and knowing him and the interaction we've had with him help me to just sort of tease apart like how much of his success is due to this mindset he's able to sort mm-hmm. of channel in moments where he needs to. And I see it. And I think for us, that has been a huge turning point for us yeah. to be able to I see mean, it and own we, it ourselves. Jenny, we, we
0: read that book and then the next conference we went to, we went around trying to buy a business, oh my like God. trying to buy we to business, like you guys for sale. And we, we were serious
1: a, and we started sending emails. And if you got an email from us and you're somehow listening to our show now, I'm a little bit embarrassed, we're but just, not really. No, but because so, we so started like, looking at companies that we were, like, who would we want to buy? Like, what do, do we, we want to nice own? For like, us. what kind of IP do we want to add to our portfolio and like literally reaching out to brands and asking if they're for sale? And it's like it's actually people respond and people are like,
0: yeah. "Who are you?" I loved it though. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? And I think that was a part of Nathan's we book because he bought businesses. <laughs> he just like marches up to people and asks them if they want to sell. And sometimes the food they, car. Car. they do.
1: That so, like he goes into Austin, Texas, to like the food truck court, and he figures out like which food truck he wants to invest in, like that. And, like that's like a fun day for him. And he gets like seventy-five cents per yeah thing I love sold it. or oh, whatever. My God. <laughs> it's so good. You no, know, and so, I also I think. I think you know, you have this experience in brick and mortar, and there's just so much going on in my personal life that I don't think I can talk about right now, but it's something that I definitely have been toying with in the last six months as well. And just reading Nathan Latka's book just solidified for me that that like the kind of economy that I operate in is so mm-hmm. different than that world and the world of stores and factories and... <laughs> Jobs, You know, like I just Mm -hmm. operate in Mm -hmm. such a different world than that. And I just, I choose to opt out of that other world, like participate as a consumer to some degree, but the internet and like sort of, Nathan Lacka calls it the new rich. It's just such a better place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no ceiling on what you can earn. It's not resource intensive. Like you don't have to order stuff and have packaging. I mean, we've gone over and over on this show about how much I hate packaging, but like It's just this beautiful way of operating. Like there's real value that exchanges without all of the externalities that happen in the other economy.
0: Yeah. So we started calling ourselves the new rich. That's our our new (laughs) title for ourselves. And we would say like, let's Latka this. And we'd like try to buy something. Yeah, it's a Last name into a a verb. So I just want to explain to you at that time. So we read that book, which was super impactful to us. You mentioned that someone said, mentioned about like, you know, what would you do if you, you know, shut down Namastream? And that was like such a huge hit to us, like thinking about that, like really thinking about that. so
1: sick, Sandy. I just was sick.
0: But it like – It spurred us on. And then we also applied to work with a coach and we hadn't heard from her. And so we thought we weren't selected, which kind of angered us. And then like the next day, like with these all happen within days, and then we were in and was like, oh my God. And so... It was just like bang 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 bang. All these things happened and this we I think it was like this huge growth spurt for us mentally and we have a different mindset about money, what we can do. I think we are so much more confident, our minds are more open to the possibilities beyond Namastream too, like as business partners, like you know, <laughs> buying companies or you know, just having different sources of revenue. I think that's really smart. Nathan, like, also opened our eyes about real estate. Like, not that that's new, but it's just sort of, you know, started me thinking about a few things. And so we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so I think, sorry, that was really me taking a long answer for that question. So one of your key defining moments.
1: Yeah, I think it's the same. I mean, I have other things that I don't want to talk about on the show. (laughs) Again, not to sense. I mean, there's just a lot of personal stuff that's gone on in the last year. But I will say there was a day last September when we were in Malibu on a little work retreat Mm -hmm. and like a perfect storm of events happened And I think that like, I feel like there was a lot that happened in this one day, a similar kind of situation, like an hour, like within an hour of waking up, like basically just a lot of very difficult news happened. And I think that that changed the trajectory of our company. And it it made me incredibly grateful that we've built this thing that we've built. And so to me, that was also a big inflection point because there was a time where this, I don't know how to say it. Like I I think that there's a lot that's held me back from wanting to count on this thing working. Yeah. You know, I just I think it's like it's this big experiment and I like I'm at heart and academic and I like studying things and experimenting and I love it and I'm proud of it and it but it's almost like I've been on the outside of myself watching this thing grow and exist. And mm-hmm. then finally I had more skin in the game. Like that's all I'll yeah, say. Yeah. And yeah, I got it. And yeah. I got it. And that to me was a moment. And driving through the hills in Malibu that day and us talking. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's what life like your business is your like it if you're an entrepreneur, it is so interwoven with your life. And I mean, you have to have some sort of separation and don't obsess over it all the time. And if you get like an angry client, don't let it control you and all that stuff. Right. But like Mm -hmm. on some deeper level, your business is you like your life and your business are so intertwined and it's just never been more apparent to me. And at the same time, I am so grateful for it. Yeah. And we drove through those hills and went to Rituals Cafe, yeah, and the lady at the cash day. didn't know who he was. I know, wasn't that was so, so weird? What town was that? <laughs> I feel like that that whole place. You know, the other it thing is that whole place caught on fire after we yeah. left, like a couple weeks later. Thousand Oaks. Yeah, right? yeah. That yeah that was the town where the restaurant was. Yeah, yeah. But, and then like where we were staying, I'm pretty sure was just leveled by that Malibu fire. Yeah, that was awful. But awful. but so but it was all very ominous. I mean, it was a really weird ominous time and it still is a little ominous but we you know I think we just decided to you know not only be all in on something but like allow it to be an integral part for me of my life and I think for you too now like we're both on that same page that like this mm-hmm. thing is you know I think it's it's not just this idea that we're pl- it's not a little thing we're playing with like it's freaking real yeah. <laughs> it's
0: a big thing it's yeah a big yeah. thing yeah, yeah and it supports us. Okay, Jenny, what is your advice for someone who is just starting?
1: Yeah, be prepared to fail for 18 months constantly. And you know, I it's hard for me to say that on the show because we want to encourage entrepreneurship and people don't want to hear that. But, you know, I mean, we're we're this is like this is who we are and we're honest and I think if you can make it through that trial by fire. And it's not all, it's like amazing. The failures are such a gift and you have to fail a lot, especially in the beginning. And like, you still fail feel, feel a lot later on, like years and years in, you still fail, but you have like so many more successes to balance it. And early on, you just don't honestly have them. Like You don't have a big enough following or an audience. You don't know what you're doing. You're just going to make kind of rookie mistakes. And that is just part of it. You know, the first time I launched an online course, and I did my first webinar. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was, I think, $500, the program. And I sold one. And then I had to deal with the fact, and this is like happens all the time for our clients, right? Like, what do you do if you sell one? Like, do you give it back, the money back? <laughs> do you still make the thing? And like, why didn't I sell more, but I didn't know how to get anyone on the webinar. So I'm like still amazed one person showed up and bought the thing. And so like that kind of stuff happens in your first year and a half or so. And like, that's normal. And you've got to deal with it. I chose like, I'm going to give this money back because I don't want to make a course for one person. And so part of that is like learning what your minimums are and whatever. But yeah, I think that's the advice is be prepared to do that and then be prepared to just be committed to it. Because if you mm-hmm. want it bad enough, the rewards are so, so much more than you could have ever imagined if you can make it through that those first couple years. What about you? What, what advice would you give somebody just starting mm-hmm.
0: out? Yeah, I have so many things. I think we could just go for an hour on this. I think this is, I'm answering this way just based on recent conversations that you and I have had in the last couple of days is not to underprice, like to th- put some thought into your pricing and make sure that you are not giving away things mm-hmm. too cheap. To price, I mean, it's such a hard thing to do when you first start, but I think just to be aware of the pricing and the money that you want to earn and sit down and do some math, ma- see what makes sense, talk to the people that you're selling to and just don't, don't sell yourself short. And, and then the second part of that is, is mindset and do the work on the mindset. When you and I first started, I didn't even know what that word meant. Like it wasn't in my vocabulary. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And now it's like one of the most important things that you and I work on together and with our inner circle members is mindset and just Making sure we understand why we think the way we do, and like just always, it's all comes down to abundance. Like to stay in this sort of abun- abundance mindset, and I think it's so key. And the earlier that you figure that out, the better. Yeah, and you're going, I want like, to say like the, the
1: mindsety little demons don't ever go away, but you just learn to recognize them. Like I notice them when they come now, and it doesn't mean that they don't. I don't ever let them like escape and crawl all into my brain and control it cuz you talk me off the ledge but we both have this where like like I'll be like Sandy this is like this is your inner critic or this is Like you're holding yourself back and this is your fear. Like we call each other Mm -hmm. out and it's Mm -hmm. so much easier to see it in the other person when it starts to take over. But I've started finally to see it in myself. And I think that that's such good advice. And it's just so easy to gloss over that to especially in our market, in our niche where people are like, oh, I got that handled. You know, I'm a coach or I like, I did my work and I'm like, nope. You're never done with your work. It's
0: different with money and it's different when you're selling something and that there's
1: that transaction. Yeah. Yeah. And you're never done. It's like when Taryn Strong, who is, you know, this amazing client of ours and in the She Recovers community, when we've worked with that community and, and been around them, like recovery is this lifelong process right it's the same thing with this mindset mm-hmm. work around money and business is that it is like you don't just do the program and graduate and you're home free i mean this is like every day when new challenges are presented or new issues are presented you like you've got to go back and do the work every day and it's like nobody's perfect and so those mindset Barriers or hurdles are going to come back to haunt you. And like, so that's that's the beauty I think we have of our partnership, Sandy, is because mm-hmm. we we'll call can it call it we can see it in each other. I will say something and you'll be like, that's a mindset
0: issue you have right there. That's mine. That's I your like, mindset. Sandy, that's
1: your limiting belief. Like, and I'll just listen to you and I'll just either wait till you're you done or sometimes I'll just have to interrupt <laughs> you and I'll be like, That's your thanks mi- for that, not interrupting. <laughs> yeah. That's your mindset. Like that's a mindset problem you have. Like that's not actually true. Listen to what you're saying. And then sometimes yeah. you'll argue with me and sometimes you'll be like yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it's it's fun though. Okay, let's do Joy and Hustle.
1: All righty. Okay, so I have the joy. So the joy this week is I went to the library a couple weeks ago and I happened upon Jennifer Pasteloff's book called On Being Human. And I'm sure many of you have heard and know that this book recently came out. And I just, it's, it's her memoir. Um, and she's if you don't know who she is, you should Google her. She's a pretty famous yoga teacher. And I read it, I devoured it in a couple of nights. And it's it I don't usually read that much because I fall asleep before bed. Like I'm so exhausted by the end of the day that I haven't been reading for very long lately. And I like two, two nights, I think, I just devoured the entire thing. And I was just so sad when it was done. It was just a profoundly moving. Book and story, and I would—it just made me like dream of going to one of her retreats one day. Her she does writing, and the thing is it called radical listening. I just, oh my god, I just loved her. I loved everything about that book. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you've been talking a lot about it lately, so I would definitely want to read it. Yeah, and definitely it's definitely a fast read, it.
1: read. It's really worth it if you just want to. Hmm. A real peek into someone's life who's who's overcome a lot and is still in the middle of it and is is doing the work and showing up every day and seeing the beauty in it all. I loved it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. And
0: my hustle is somewhat based off of Nathan Latka's book, but i I want people to consider when they have a little bit of money in their business account to consider how they can invest that. And so you can invest into equity or you can invest into real estate. And I'm looking at investing in real estate right now. I'm not sure that I'm going to do it, but it's a really fun process to, you know, be constantly looking at houses in my neighborhood. What could I afford? What could I do with that? What kind of, you know, expenses does that mean? How long would I have to hold on to that property before I could sell it for a profit? And it is the best feeling in the world, even if it doesn't actually come to fruition, but the act of, you know, doing the mortgage calculator and figuring it out and just seeing what that would look like for my business. It is just, I don't know. I feel so
1: badass. <laughs> it it's is badass. badass. It is. It's it is. America, oh my God. Right? I've looked at buying businesses the last couple of months. It's like, so it is badass to like go over the, like profit and loss statements and figure it all out and to map out like the next 10 years of revenue. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's such good advice, Sandy. I think it's especially as women, we're so reluctant to talk about money and being responsible with money and owning whatever issues we have about it. So Mm -hmm. thank you for starting to have that conversation on here. And I think we're going to be talking more about these things in the show going forward. So that's a little sneak peek into what's to come for some folks. But yeah. All right. Well, this is pretty honest and open and raw. So be nice to us. (laughs) And (laughs) there's more where this came from. But I hope that you take something from these lessons that we've been able to learn and you know, I hope that you see the beauty that's on, on the other side if you're in a struggle and, and that you see that the beauty really is is the struggle itself. And there's nothing like entrepreneurship in terms of personal growth and what it can do for your life in all arenas. So keep it up. Keep going. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. <laughs>
0: Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.